0: live from the heartland and the crossroads of america it's tony katz today
1: fight so hard to make sure that the people in our state and our country have access to this care they need yeah so um What have Republican legislators done? Let me count the ways. Okay, Um, they've introduced nearly 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills. They're also banning books, which we know. And teachers in states like Florida are being barred from even talking about being gay
0: or transgender in the classroom. There has to come a moment where ABC is held responsible for what it is they're doing in allowing Joy Reid this platform. If I said the things that Joy Reid said, I would be fired. I'd be suspended. There would at least be a conversation. But how could I even think that they would be serious? Here they allow Zoe Zephyr, a man who claims to be a woman, a legislator from Montana, who said if you don't vote to allow children to determine their own gender, if you do not vote, to allow children to mutilate themselves, their blood when they kill themselves is on your hands. Said that to Republicans, got admonished for it, and all of a sudden I'm supposed to believe he's a hero? He can call himself Zoe, he can live his life the way he sees fit. He's not allowed to tell me to lie. And in this this ongoing conversation that has to be had, people can make choices for themselves. Adults, I, I make no argument. You don't get to tell me that I have to buy in. You cannot compel me to lie. To myself or to anybody else. It's obscene that you think it possible, that you think it good, that you think that it's decent. Well, Tony, what does it hurt if you, you know, tell them uh the pronoun they want to hear? It's me lying. I should lie to make somebody else feel good. I don't know what kind of upbringing you had. We don't do that in my family. And when I did do that, like lying to make myself feel good, I was actually miserable and depressed and suicidal. I'm not going back. I I don't know about you. (laughs) I'm not going back to that. My life got infinitely better when I stopped lying to myself. Oh, did I say Joy Reed? I meant Joy Behar. I the, the hate is so palpable, I get them confused. They hate so much alike. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Kathy on Twitter, thank you. I said Joy Reed. I meant Joy Behar. The hate is just so aligned. No books are being banned. No one's stopping you from speaking, but this is just par for the course. It was actually this that I found most surreal. This was a real conversation. Never mind the insanity of Joy Behar, which is worthy of noting. Alyssa Farrah Griffin is the conservative, the Republican. This is her argument. I'm telling you right now, if you're driving, hands on 10 and 2. They actually tell you 9 and 3 these days. I know, something about airbags. I don't know. I'm a 10-2 and 2 guy, personally. Gen X, what up? Listen to this
1: come on. Well, or Russia? I don't think so. The answer is no. And uh, those on the right who are targeting the LGBTQ plus community are on the wrong side of history. The facts bear it out. So 8 in 10 Americans favor more laws to protect the LGBTQ plus community from discrimination. 67% of those are Republicans. The biggest voting block in 2024 will be millennials and Gen Zers. We are the generation of marriage equality. We are the generation of freedom. We are not going backward on these issues. We to shall anyone, see. To we'll anyone see. in my part, that it is not where the majority of the country is and it yes. is such an agreement yeah, but your necessity. party tends to steal elections well they How tried we, yeah. they didn't though they but didn't but it reminds me of my favorite verse they have more e- advanced ways of doing it I my bet. favorite Go verse ahead. in the bible in ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun this has been tried it's fear-mongering it's trying to target the minority within the minority yeah, and create but, fear and stoke it it will not but but it, but it
0: i swear to you guys do you have any idea the amount i study to make sure what I'm bringing to you is, is accurate. And now I, I have opinions and theories. You can agree or disagree. That's fine. I've made mistakes before. I'm, I'm as human as the next person. Republicans steal elections. That's that's what Joy Behar just said. Republicans steal elections. You guys steal elections. And Alyssa Farrow Griffin didn't say, what the hell are you talking about, you freak? She didn't say, why don't you just shut up already, you nonsense merchant. She went, (laughs) and just went on with whatever it is. What wrong side of history conversation are you having here? Conservatives are protecting children conservatives are saying no to the mutilation of children and you Alyssa farrah are going to say that's the wrong side of history how do i get an invite in the sh- on the show to make this happen to make this conversation happen this is what you oppose being in favor of children not being sexualized is the wrong side of history no, it's the only side of history if we're going to go along with that insanity of a conversation. Being opposed to children being able to mutilate themselves is the wrong side of history. Do you know how ignorant you sound? Well, it started when you talk about the LGBTQ plus community. Let's start with that doesn't exist. That's not real. Because every time that statement is used, it is not utilized to talk about people, it's utilized to talk about a political perspective. It's talking about a political organization. It is to say that lesbians, that gays, that bisexuals, men, women, with their own minds and their own thoughts and their own theories and their own beliefs and their own values and their own attitudes, they don't get access to any of that. They belong to a group that is in lockstep with each other. Bull crap. I get, I, you pick the group. You get five Italians together. You get five Jews together. You can't figure out where to go to lunch you can't get five of these people to agree to anything. I have been in the room with five conservatives before. 17 different political opinions. You think everybody who's gay thinks the same? Do you know how outrageously hateful that is? How disgusting that is? That you look at the these people and you decide that they belong to this group with this theory and you... You liberal white woman are going to speak for them. You liberal straight white woman. You couldn't be more worse, Joy Behar. And and I, by the way, I could say a thing about Aly- Alyssa Farah because what is what is she, has she done on this show that shows any level of conservatism? What I don't I don't know what it is. But you allow these conversations to go by the wayside. You think that you're bringing the wrong side of history. Protecting children is the wrong side of history? Fine, I'm on the wrong side of history. Thank God. You know who's going to thank me? The kids. The wrong side of history, you crazy freak. How could you come close to saying such a thing? The idea that Gen Z and uh, millennials believe in marriage equality, I would argue that that's true. The problem is this isn't the conversation being had. The, the, the confusion in the argument being made by the left is, of course, purposeful. No one is having a conversation about adults. Now. People may not get it. People may not understand it. And there's some people out there who might say, well, if you were doing that, whether you were gay or whether you were engaging in in claiming that you're a woman when you're a man or vice versa, uh, they might say you're going to hell. They might actually say that. I don't happen to be one of those people. Neither here nor there. It has never been a conversation piece. You never heard about anybody in any large scale way saying, we need to protest RuPaul and do it right now. It's when you groomers, see the use of the word there? That only came to be when you went after the kids. When you went after children, when you went after the kids, that's when parents and that's when adults and that's when rational people said, What the hell are you doing? And that's when you got even more incredulous and said, oh, look at those conservatives starting that culture war. I don't care what you call me. You think I care that Alyssa Farah's small mind says I'm on the wrong side of history? I mean to insult her. Why shouldn't I mean to insult somebody who isn't on the side of protecting children? What am I supposed to do? Give her a parade? You believe in sacrificing children to the altar of somebody else's thoughts about what's decent. I'm out. I don't care if you call me on the wrong side of history. I don't care if you call me a name. I'm going to protect kids. And I'm going to support women in sports. I'm going to do all of the things that you, you so-called feminist, aren't willing to do. And I'm going to recognize that gay women, we call them lesbians, don't you know, might have a different thought on the T in the LGBT than you do. And it doesn't make them bad people. They're entitled to their own thoughts and their own mind. And how dare you, and Joy Behar, or Joy Reid for that matter, tell them they're not. Wait till you learn that not every black person is liberal. Holy cow, are you gonna lose your crap? You're not even gonna know which way to go. You're gonna start drinking shots. You're gonna have to get drunk in order to believe it. That's right, black people who are conservatives, black people who are liberal but don't necessarily agree with you on this, black people who are middle of the road, like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, what do you know? Trust me, I met Jews who were like, wait, you're a conservative, but how is that possible? I've told this story. I was at a wedding in, was that, I think it was in Cleveland. I think it was in Cleveland. I was at a wedding and I we, conversations build, conversations go, and it got political. And I said, well, I, I believe this I believe that. And they said to me, how is that possible? You're Jewish. I don't know. I looked at all the sides of the conversation. I looked at all of the data of the conversation, and I said, those liberals are nuts. And thus I was a conservative. (laughs) That's how it happened. How did it happen for you? Oh, emotionally, you heard from the people on Good Morning America that you have to think a certain way, otherwise you're a bigot, and you went along with that. Okay. So your entire political point of view and your ideological point of view comes from George Stephanopoulos. That's a... Yeah, no, 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 he's one of the great thinkers. He's right up there with Burke and Locke. Absolutely. Absol- absolute. He is the Adam Smith of his time. You're so right. You're so right. Well then. There has to come a moment where someone at ABC says, all right, this is, this show's just weird. This show is just weird and wrong and we have not offered a difference of opinion and we have not actually offered a what? Contrary view. Yet somehow this show continues to drive narrative. Is it my fault for noticing? Aren't I supposed to notice the people who are wrong? The people who are right? The people who make sense? The people who don't? Isn't that my job? Good Lord. Speaking of what makes sense and what doesn't, Have you guys been watching who's running for president? I didn't think it was gonna get this crowded. It is, that story is coming up. I'm Tony Katz.
1: So you talked about uh, changing your tone a little bit with former President Trump. I don't believe you mentioned him here by name tonight, but does this mean you're going to be a bit more aggressive with campaigning against him? So look, I'm gonna
0: respond to uh, attacks. I mean, if, if you say Cuomo did a better job with COVID than Florida did, first of all, that's not what he used to say. This is like new. Like six months ago, he would have never said that, right? He used to say how great Florida was. Hell, his whole family moved to Florida under my governorship. Are you kidding me? Um so so some of this stuff i think is look if someone is saying that i am gonna i am gonna counter punch i'm gonna fight back on it i'm gonna focus my fire on biden and i think he should do the same he gives biden a free pass Um, i'm focusing on biden that's my focus that man clearly listens to this show because that has long been the advice hit back go to biden Everything's about Biden. You're running against Biden. You're talking about Biden. You're talking about a better future for the country. That's what you're doing. You get bogged down in the muck and the mire of, uh, of Trump. Well, You will not win a good muck and mire battle. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Mike Pence knows this. And why he's getting into this race as president. He's supposed to be announcing next week. Look, I, I like Mike Pence, and you know that in the radio that I do, my my home station, WIBC, in Indianapolis, uh, it's it's the chair Mike Pence used to sit in. You know, you, you there there. It's the station. It's it's the everything. I have never once lied to that man in in public or in private, and I certainly will not start now. I said he shouldn't run. I said that Mike Pence is a guy who believes in servant leadership, and there is a place for him without question, but there is no path, and I have been going over this, and certainly he has data that I don't. There's no path. There is, from the Trump acolyte, certainly there's a hatred, but there isn't from the people. He weathered that very well, and he looks more like a hero than not to the majority regarding January 6th. But we're talking about the primary voter. And the primary voter has no need to go to Pence when they could go to DeSantis or to Tim Scott. They don't need to go to Mike Pence. Mike Pence is going to fight Tim Scott for the evangelical vote to get a base to see if it can propel him up. Does Mike Pence place third in Iowa or New Hampshire? And he would need at least a third in one of them in order to keep going. Because in South Carolina, I don't see where he's in the top three. I don't know who his donors are. I'm unaware of that support. I'm aware of even less support for Chris Christie, who is getting into this race. Some people have said, see, Chris Christie is nothing more than a stalking horse for Ron DeSantis, and his whole job is to go after Trump, occupy Trump's time, and get Trump out of this race, get Trump hurt, just beat up on Trump. That's it. I don't necessarily agree with the stalking horse idea. I know that Jim Garrity's got a piece about that. I don't know if it's at the Washington Post or the National Review. Um... But there is no doubt that Chris Christie is going to punch Donald Trump in the face 24-7 and not care what comes back at him. It doesn't matter. Very rarely do you see someone running for president but really running for revenge. And that's what I would say it is. And if he can get Trump out of the race or hurt Trump, he'll say to himself, I did my part for God and country. And if it just somehow manifests itself into the nomination, well, lucky me. Part of the thing about running for president is that in the main, it's hard to lose out. There are very few people. I, I, I mean, may, maybe if I put my mind to it, if you and I were talking about it and, and really discussing it, we think of people who really lost out in the in the run for president. There are are, are a couple. Uh, who was the guy who was the vice presidential candidate, uh, John Edwards, uh, to to John Kerry? Um, the guy who said, uh, "Hey, why don't you follow me and see if I'm doing anything wrong?" And he was with was he with Donna Rice or whichever one he was with. Uh, I don't remember Donna Rice and Fawn Hall. That was a long time ago. I always get them confused. Um, But in the main, you run for president. People remember you ran for president. doesn't hurt. It only gives you opportunity. So for that, Christie and Pence running okay. But you know who else is running? The governor of North Dakota. Doug Burgum is considering a run for president you're like do you say the governor of north dakota is that the one with mount rushmore no no that's the other one the governor of north dakota and um the answer is why not i've got popularity in north dakota i'm a two-term governor i'm 66 i got a couple people who write me a check might as well be part of the conversation I know nothing about the man. What I do know is that this race for Republicans is getting more and more crowded, and I go against the grain. I don't think that's actually helpful to Trump. I don't. And I will break that down further in the days ahead. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today. We'll call it a political career, but I never had a career in, in, in politics. While I may have given advice here and there on a uh, to a, to a candidate here and there to somebody elected, I certainly have engaged in in um, presentations on policies and ideas and consulted on those things. I think that's different than a career in politics. Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today it's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. But early on in my in my start. Someone had utilized the expression that the right thinks the left, the political right thinks the political ref- left is wrong. The political left thinks the political right is evil. And to this day, that continues to be the case with more and more people on the right being more and more willing to say that the left is evil. But in the main, when we see a subject, it is a difference between I disagree. And you have to do what we tell you to do. There is this desire from the political left that you will do what we tell you to do because we know what is best for you. And those things that you like and things that you enjoy, whether it's the idea of free speech or a free mind or even your gas stove, are all up for debate. And if you should question them, why are you engaged in a culture war? Noah Rothman is a senior writer at National Review, author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against the Progressive's War on Fun, and his latest piece, uh, making the cover of National Review, The War on Things That Work, which I think is a very, very uh, apt title. And to me, it was a bit of a takeoff on his work uh, in, in, in New Puritans. And this idea that it's not just that everything that you do, well, you don't know how that's offensive. You don't know how that that intersects with other things. It's that everything you like, meaning this life of ours, that is all ill-gotten and should be taken away, you know, to make things better. And you'll thank us later. Noah Rothman joins us right now. And before I get to uh, the, the the piece, uh, let's just take a look at this debt limit fight. Passing the House, three hundred fourteen in favor, one hundred and seventeen against. Going uh, to the Senate, uh, I would have been a no vote on this if I was a member of Congress. Noah Rothman, what say you on this deal?
1: Well, it was designed so that you could be a no vote. Uh, it was crafted in such a way with the expectation that as long as McCarthy delivered the majority of his conference, most of whom are in safe districts, don't have to worry about primary challenges, don't have to worry about being reelected, could, could vote for it. And because it had the imprimatur of Joe Biden's uh, presidency behind it, the expectation was that Democrats would not let it fall and sacrifice the head of their party and the, uh, his blessing upon this deal. So that's all it needed. And that's why it got the majority of the House. And it will likely get, you know, maybe there'll probably be 25, 30 defectors in the Senate, which would be high. But it'll pass the Senate, too. That's how these deals are designed to work. They give you this cover. Leadership, if it's a good leader, gives you the cover to vote against this sort of thing with the expectation that it'll pass anyway and that you won't have to really suffer the blame for it. Very few uh, defectors, with the exception, I guess, of Nancy Mace given the reputation she's crafted for herself as a moderate, uh, really were risking anything by going against this, as long as it passed the rules, and it did pass the rules. And one of the things that makes McCarthy a very good speaker uh, is, in this, is in his speakership fight, he managed to provide a lot of what we understood to be the outsiders within his conference with power and gave them a buy-in into the success of the conference. So they're no longer just... Fixtures on television shows, rabble rousers on the street, on the the steps of Congress, they're institutionalists now. They're they're bought in. So Thomas Massey, who once described himself as the craziest SOB in the room, now has to vote for a rules package to raise the debt ceiling. So um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who uh, has has a penchant for saying controversial things on camera, has become one of leadership's most stalwart allies. By investing them in the success of the conference, he's tamed quite a lot of their animal instincts.
0: You know, I I followed Massey in his thoughts on this and was actually surprised that he was in favor of it as he also favored the penny plan uh, aspects of it, which are the part that that I didn't because the idea that if you don't pass the appropriations bills, we'll get a 1% reduction in all spending. I have not come to a place where I'm comfortable with a 1% reduction in military spend and I think that people I spoke with uh, Senator Mike Braun about this for example, all of a sudden Omni neocon me me i i i mean i i recoil at the thought but the idea that we would take a look at today's society and say this is a smart use as opposed to a rational taking a look of all the things we spend on and realizing that you have to rank them some things matter and some things don't i'm a neocon for being opposed to the penny plan
1: no, and I'm not comfortable with that either. Uh, look, the war in, uh, in Ukraine, which I absolutely support the Ukrainian independence and sovereignty and beating back the Russian menace in Europe, redounds to our national security benefit in ways that I think anybody who grew up during the Cold War understands intuitively. Um, but the shortage of ordnance that it has produced uh, is deeply troubling. And uh, we just got this report out of the Pentagon IG. found that the transfer of some of our equipment from Kuwait, combat-ready equipment, Uh, discovered that it wasn't combat-ready. Really awful revelations like artillery shells that would explode if you fired them. Humvees that have dry rot on the tires. This is the sort of stuff that demands reform, not just throwing money at it. Something's going wrong here in the pipeline. But that was never going to be something you could do in a debt ceiling deal. Never. The fact that Republicans got what they got in this agreement is astounding, considering the Democrats' position, which was initially... You get nothing, and you'll like it. Not even a fee for the gaming license. We're not going to give you anything. Negotiating over this is wholly illegitimate. They had to back off that position entirely. Republicans got something. They weren't supposed to get anything. Anybody who looks at that as anything other than a a victory for for the Republicans and a loss for Democrats is simply starting from a position of square one and not taking into account... All the predicate for this, going back to February, January, even last year, when Democrats failed, refused to increase the debt ceiling, with the understanding that the incoming House, one chamber of all of Washington, would uh, it would be beneficial for them to contrast themselves against the extremists in the House who couldn't pass anything.
0: They're all. By wrong. The way, I just want to, wanna, to. I, I want everybody to enjoy how he snuck in a quote from Godfather Two in there. That was not even the fees for the gaming license, that bravo and well done. Noah Rothman joins us from National Review. Uh, Check out his book, The Rise of the New Puritans. Uh, That's available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. The peace over a National Review, The War on Things That Work. This is the political left dictating to America, we know what's best for you, we know what's good for you, we know what you really need, everything that you have isn't something that you ever actually needed. As a matter of fact, it was an oppressive piece to somebody else, we're going to make things right. This is their argument.
1: Well, with the exception of, with some rare exceptions, this is a story about the unaccountable fourth branch of governance, the the bureaucratic branch, the technocratic branch, which is very much captured by progressive uh, social engineers who have convinced themselves of a couple of conceits. One of them is that climate change is an existential emergency, and the minuscule uh, contributions that are made to it by things like small two-stroke engines and household furnaces are a detrimental. And if we can clear that contribution that that it makes to global climate change, the more the better. And in the process, we've confused a lot of things that used to make sense and no longer do. Efficiency, the word efficiency, is no longer a term that describes an appliance that does a job well quickly. It is a term that describes an appliance that uses fewer inputs Gas, water, air, oil, what have you. And it doesn't necessarily have to do the job better. In fact, most of the times, it doesn't. So from your gas range, your gas-powered furnace, your uh, uh, AC, your dishwasher, your light bulb, your plastic bag, your plastic straw, who knows where it begins and ends? I only managed to to touch on just a handful of some of the things that used to work and no longer do, or at least function less efficiently in terms that we understand efficiency to actually mean. It is contributing to what I describe in this piece as a campaign which in individual measure, it just makes life a little bit more inconvenient or a little bit more expensive. But in the aggregate, it looks like a wholesale assault on the dignity of your personal choice and a campaign to impose upon you a lifestyle brand that progressives subscribe to because it doesn't in any way affect the kind of material and environmental benefits that they're sold as. All told, it looks like a crusade to make you into a progressive, whether you like it or not.
0: The response to that argument is that, well, Noah... Um, We've gotten new data. Noah, we have more science. Noah, we've been able to study these things, and we can tell you definitively that if you use a gas stove and you have a four-year-old, your four-year-old is going to die, Noah. You will have a dead four-year-old. Is that what you want? Is that what you want, Noah? A dead four-year-old? Noah Rothman, if you don't have an electric car, your four-year-old is going to die. Don't you know that, Noah? This, I, I, I'm not too far oh, off yeah, From where yeah. the argument is But how does one counter the Well, we have new data Well, the science tells us Well, we've learned that When these things were happening that, that These people were ill-informed They weren't educated As we often hear How do you respond to that?
1: Yeah, what you're describing Is a campaign of a <clears throat> Moral and emotional blackmail And that has very little to do with uh, A data-driven analysis uh, Driven uh, approach to uh, reforms. First, first of all, it is divorced from the political process, which would lend legitimacy to it. In part, they they don't engage in that because they are deeply insecure in their prescriptions. The science does not support these kind of interventions into private life. Uh, in the Gaston's case, in particular, the manipulation of the science in order to justify what is already sweeping the country at the state level. It was scuttled at the national level for now, um, but it's sweeping the country at the state level to, um, uh, to banish from new construction gas hookups. And the studies were massaged. They were talking, you know, one of them was like, well, if you were to use a, a gas stove in a room where plastic bags are covering the windows and the doors, could be harmful to your health. Yeah, you're kidding. Another was a study of studies essentially a, a synthesis of studies that was presented as though it that justified the idea that there was a meaningful rise in childhood asthma rates as a result of the use of gas stoves and then conservative writers at the Washington examiner hunted down one of the authors of this study who confessed that there was no correlation there no established causation and yet it was promoted as though there was established causation, when it was promoted as that. But mostly what you encounter is what you described, a really flagrant campaign crusade to bludgeon you with uh, moral uh, quandaries to which any good person would uh, would acquiesce, because honestly, good people want this. And that's what you're confronted with once you beat back the idea that there are real environmental benefits to any of this, that there are real material benefits to your wallet or your quality of life. What you're left with is, well, you, you want to be a good person, don't you? Because it is a moral exercise. It is an exercise in a, in a personal approach to lifestyle that maybe you don't subscribe to but you can't be allowed to not subscribe to it. Uh, And uh, it's an increasingly oppressive and ubiquitous campaign against just about everything that makes daily life a convenient enterprise.
0: Talking to Noah Rothman of National Review, The War on Things That Work. Check out the article. It's the cover of National Review magazine. Find it at nationalreview.com. Just while we've got a couple minutes, go back to this idea of you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to have an, a, a, a disagreement or another point of view. But on that state level and on that local level, we've seen what New York has done uh, with the gas stoves and certain size buildings over the course of the next couple of years. We've seen the story out of Palo Alto where you had a celebrity chef who was opening a restaurant. Palo Alto changed the rules. No gas stoves. He said, if you don't let me have a gas stove, I can't open the restaurant. They changed the rules just for his restaurant. All the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. People are often amazed by the progressive buy-in no one was talking about gas stoves, and the next thing you know, everybody's banning gas stoves. No <laughs> one was talking about position X. The next thing you know, everybody's uh, on the left is down with position X. How does it move so quickly amongst them?
1: I, I kind of wish I knew, honestly. It's a very bad pundit answer to say, I don't know. But it is a fascinating psychological phenomenon. So this piece was promoted by National Review over Memorial Day weekend, and it went insanely viral which was hilarious from my perspective because I'm grilling burgers and drinking beers and checking in on my phone and watching just the usual suspects in the progressive commentary down. Right. Like, Have a great weekend, guys. Uh, but what I experienced there is, is a very familiar phenomenon at this point where often even in the same sentence, the opponents of this sort of thing insist that it's not happening. It's all a figment of your imagination. You've invented all this. It's all culture-warring. Um, your myopia is getting the best of you. And also, it's really good that it's happening, and it should be happening, because this is very critical to environmentalism, and the climate crisis is existential. In the same thought, and they don't recognize the incongruity of it. I don't think they're capable of recognizing the incongruity of it, because the psychology demands that you have to be blinkered you have to be crazy or stupid or both and they have to be the rational ones so even in their irrationality they have convinced themselves that they are on the right side of the forces of science just to give of moral theory of political economy
0: let me give you a quick example of this. A guy by the name of Thor Benson responding to the piece wrote on Twitter, hyperbolic, hysterical, childish. God forbid some people call for changing the kinds of products we sell to help save us from a climate crisis. And your response was, it's not happening. And also, it's good that it's happening. That was That's the whole thing right there in a nutshell.
1: I can't tell you how many times I wrote that sentence, those two sentences, because it was cut everywhere. It was constant. Just about every reply I got. Was it's not happening, and also it's good that it's happening, and they don't see how that it doesn't. I suppose uh, uh, destroy their own credibility, but it destroys the credibility of their argument, and it should because it's not a factual statement. It's not an right. argument. It's not an argument that appeals to anybody's logic. It's an emotional appeal. They are emotionally invested in this. And our Noah Rothman are is his wrong. name.
0: Find his work over at National Review uh, and uh, the War on Things That Work. Check out the article, Noah. Thank you. I'm Tony Katz. In with music, we're coming out with music. It's just the way it. It's just the way it is. See what happens when I get into an interview. I forget all sense of time. What happens when you miss a vote? Because there are some members of Congress who missed the vote yesterday, and it's like, how do you, how do you do that? But don't ever confuse that with the bigger goal. That story's coming up. I'm Tony Katz.